You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Three and a quarter percent interest rates for investors, rising rents, rising home prices, but you're still feeling anxious about buying investment property. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today is going to share how he was able to get through the anxiety that most people feel when they're about to embark on something new, especially when that something requires a very large amount of cash. Yanni Garcia, like many young people, doesn't really want to work until the typical retirement age of 65. He wants a better plan that allows him to be able to spend more time with his future children. As a mortgage broker, he saw the opportunity to take advantage of today's very low interest rates and very strong rental environment to buy refi, and then buy some more in order to build a large portfolio that will speed up the path to be somewhat semi-retired in five to 10 years. Well, Yanni, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. We're so excited to hear your story. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start with what brought you to real estate to begin with. Sure. So I am a fairly new investor. I started investing in 2020. Wow. What a year to start. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was, um, I, my timing was very lucky. I would say I feel very blessed about that, but, um, my very good friend, Ziana McIntyre invited me to a real wealth network event in the fall of 2019 in Jacksonville. That's where we met. And I got exposed to so many people in the network and it was like a crash course of 20 plus different markets. That's really where like the light bulb went up and I said, okay, I, I really want to stay tuned in and see where I can find my first investment property. And so after I did that, I started just every week tuning into webinars and reviewing listings that I would get from uh, different agents within the network. And I finally settled on a little hundred year old rig bungalow in the South side of Chicago. It was a section eight property. And, you know, initially I was, you know, it's my first investment property. So to buy something that was so old, uh, although I had been gut renovated in 2016 and it was, uh, you know, what attracted me to that property was just the high level of the cash on cash return. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first got that inspection report with like 40 pages on it, I'm like, nope, I can't do this. This is way too much for me. But so you, you know, didn't buy it. Or you did? Uh, no, so I did. I did. So you did. <laughs> so I what did. got you to buy it after seeing the inspection report? <laughs> well, you know, I spoke to Leah and she's like, listen, you're getting the home for an incredible price. A lot of the things in this report are quite cosmetic. And you can actually, since you are you offered asking price, this could be a good position for you to negotiate for those things to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Right? And so she kind of coached me through how to have that conversation with the seller and they agreed to about 95% of everything wow. on that list. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So we did a second inspection, everything cleared. And I've been income producing with that property since August of 2020 is when we closed. And um, it's been great. I mean, the, the, the returns are incredible. I have all my costs is about $700 a month and I make $1,600 a month on that property. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leah is a fantastic coach. Wow, yeah. that's that's amazing. Good for yeah, you. Yeah. What a slam dunk. You yeah. know, that, and that's kind of, that is a scary first investment because Chicago doesn't have the friendliest landlord laws. 
their taxes can be high. They, they've got some issues with their pension funds. I mean, you know, they're in the, in the news a lot. And mm-hmm. an older home, you know, you just, it's like buying an older car. It's not a new mm-hmm. car, right? So things can break down unless they've been replaced. And even sometimes with an old car, when things have been replaced, they break down still. So, um, yeah. so that was definitely risky. So I'm really glad to hear that it has turned out well for you. Do you think the values have gone up since you bought, considering what's been happening nationwide? Uh, you know, I think they have. One of the things that attracted me to this property was the rental income. And I, and I knew that with such high level of rental income, my expectations on appreciation were less mm-hmm. uh, for this specific property. What I will say is that initially I was very hesitant about Section 8 because you have preconceived notions of what that means. And, you know, is it going to be difficult, difficult tenants or whatever sort of that bias that I had before I went into it. And what I found was that it was actually a brilliant first investment because it's, it's guaranteed income, right? I have, you know, if the tenant loses their job or gets sick or gets COVID for whatever reason, you know, they can come up with their portion of the rent payment. The housing voucher kicks up to 100%. And also, I never get a late payment because the housing voucher that they receive, whether it is 70 or 80% of the rent, you know, is dependent on them putting their 20 or 30% on time, right? So it's just a recession COVID proof investment. And I, you know, I wish I could say I had the foresight to do that, but it, it was luck uh, in many ways. So that, that felt really good and safe as an investment. I did for my second property, which I bought a few months later, I bought it in Ocala and it was a new And that's build. in Florida, for those who don't that's know where Ocala is. Yes. <laughs> Ocala, it's a Florida. little little town in Florida, but it's growing and you probably will learn about it soon enough because it's growing quickly. Oh God, it sure is. It's what um, that team calls it the corridor of progress. Yeah. They refer to all of the manufacturing and healthcare systems and all of the blue collar jobs that are coming into that part of central Florida. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I bought there and that was, you know, the rental income, although it was still very attractive, was less, but I had higher expectations for the appreciation. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen in terms of appreciation there has been remarkable. Uh, I bought that property for 136, a 3-2, one-car garage. Uh, $136,000. $136,000. I just want to be clear because yeah. <laughs> some people, when, when you say one thirty six, they don't know what you're actually saying because that's a very low price for a new home. Is that a new home? Yeah. A new home. A new home. I, I snagged the last of those. Of you the, of sure that. did. You sure yeah. did. Wow. Good for you. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel really lucky on that one too. And, you know, it appraised over 200 recently. And this is a loose appraiser. I, I use a tool called HomeBot to yeah. keep track of the value of my home as, as the equity grows. But yeah, it's, it's, it's around 200 now. And I close Good in February. You. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Good for you. Wow. You know, that's amazing. That's amazing. But it really comes down to value, right? It, you know, people will live in fear often, myself included, that, you know, what's coming? What's next? Are we at the peak? Prices have been going up for over 10 years. You know, what's next? And it can be paralyzing. But when you remove that fear, and maybe you didn't have that fear, and you just look at the asset alone and forget about all those, all those, you know, distractions, a $136,000 house in Florida in an area that's growing, you know, it, it, the chances are pretty good that it's going to be fine no matter where the market is headed. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And listen, I, I think, you know, the money that I have in the market has done really well. 
right? So, you know, when I talk to investors, I'm a, I'm a loan officer by trade. And so when I talk to real estate investors who are kind of on the fence about, well, do I buy a home or do I keep my money in the market where it's doing so great? I think both strategies are good. Um, I think having a diversified portfolio where you're doing both is really where you want to be because now I have income producing properties that are appreciating. And I also have my portfolio, which is doing great. And there's a certain comfort that I get from knowing that I have my hands in different areas and that I have things that are building wealth, not just, you know, in one bucket. Right. Um, And another thing that I think about, which I, you know, unless you've done, if you're a new investor, this may not be as obvious is how you can leverage mortgage financing to scale your real estate, right? So, you know, a property that I bought for 136000 that appreciated so much over the span of less than a year, I can pull equity out of that home to fund my third and fourth real estate investment, mm-hmm. right? So creative ways of using a cash out refi to then fund future investments is a way that you can start scaling this. And uh, for new investors, that doesn't immediately click sometimes. You have to kind of walk them through what that possibility looks like. Yeah. it. I started in this industry in mortgages too. And I will say that is a great place to start. Well, anywhere is a great place to start. If you start in title or as a real estate agent or in mortgages, you learn things that a lot of people just don't know. I certainly didn't know before. But when you learn leverage and come in from that angle and are able to see all the options that most people don't know about. Um, Just the one very simple one that you can get 10 investment property loans backed by the the US government, you know, that's at at, at ridiculously low rates. I mean, what what kind of rates are we looking at right now on investment properties? You know, rates are still at historic lows. You know, we're starting to hear and feel like there's going to be in the next quarter and two quarters, we're going to see a a bit of an uptick. But rates are still in the low threes for conventional investment properties. What? Yeah. I yeah, should know I just, this, but I can't, I just can't believe it. Okay. I got to go get some loans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my and gosh. Even, and even like, I, I even, you know, when I have clients that perhaps can go the, the, the conventional route, right. And get a conventional investment loan, mm-hmm. um, you know, even uh, non-QM products or, you know, unconventional lending products that are you know, they may not have the income, their personal income to be able to qualify for investment property, but we can use the future income projections of the property that they're purchasing to qualify them. Mm-hmm. So those are, you know, alternative or non-QM products. Those products typically have higher rates, but even with those type of products, I'm, I'm seeing low and mid fours. Ah, um, for a fixed rate? Fixed rate, yeah. Oh, come on, people, listen to this. This is like, okay, non-QM again, to just break that down for people who don't know loans. Uh, that's a qualified mortgage. So what's a QM versus a non, I mean, what, what is that? What's the difference? Sure. So a qualified mortgage or a conventional mortgage would be something like FHA or conventional, which are government insured, right? Mm-hmm. And those, those loans typically carry uh, lower down payment requirements and they carry lower interest rates, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say those are the most affordable and most popular ways of investing. Those are the most popular products. But, you know, let's say they do require that your personal income, right? So your W-2 income or your tax returns are of a certain amount. So you have a debt to income ratio to qualify for those loans. Let's say you don't have that income, right? But you still want to invest. 
and you have good credit and you have cash, right? You can use a non-QM product or an alternative product to buy an investment property. And what we use to underwrite that, that loan is the future projection of income from the property that you're buying. So if the bank, if we can project, okay, this home is going to make enough to cover the, de the debt, then we can use that to qualify you for that property. And the, the yeah. down payments for those are, we can, you know, they're, they're dependent on credit, on your credit score, mm -hmm. but we can get them as low as 15%. 15? 15, yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, I... Our investment counselors are just so good. They're they're the ones who are all over this stuff. So when you you know when you join Real Wealth and you talk to one of the investment counselors, they are not surprised by this information because they know it. Yeah. But I have been uh, busy with syndications and you know other things, and I I haven't honestly paid attention to some of the lending. I still have more loans I can get because we're in yeah. mostly commercial loans at this point. So now you've got me fired <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not common. You know, you typically see the alternative products. Um, they're wanting to, they do 20, 25% minimums. Mm -hmm. So I happen to be been one of the largest independent lenders in the country. So our product portfolio is just huge. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good to know. We'll make sure that um, our investment counselors know uh, that you can maybe offer some of these services to our members. Sure thing. Okay. Um, so let's go back to your investing story. You started in Chicago. Yeah. You then bought a, you bought an older home in Chicago, a more tenant-friendly city, but that's worked out. And then you went mm -hmm. bought a new home, complete opposite, complete opposite, brand new home in a more landlord-friendly area of Florida. And it's gone up tremendously in value. These are two very, very different products and uh, very diversified. So one is high cash flow. One has been very high appreciation. They're probably both appreciating and they're probably both cash flowing. Just one is cash flowing more, one's appreciating more. Very good diversified portfolio so far. Did Leah coach you on that, or was that just a, a gut feel you had? No, Leah, Leah was instrumental in, in all of this because, you know, as a new investor, I just didn't know what I didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was just always great to have sort of that objective third party. She'll tell me, you know, she she lays it down how it is, right? Yeah. So if there's something that doesn't look good, or if she'll 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 tell me that's hey that doesn't that doesn't look good for this reason, right? So I was yeah. able to build trust with her very early on and feel like I had a really solid coach, even when some things went wrong and and yeah. things were unexpected or whatever the whatever the issue was, she was a great partner. Yeah. That's that's so great. You know what? If you don't mind me bragging a little bit about our incredible investment counselors, because they are all investors themselves, uh, we have always wanted to make sure that they were coming to their coaching with no strings attached, so to say. A, a real estate agent is kind of looking at commissions for the most part, right? And I didn't want our investment counselors thinking about that. I wanted them to just look for the best investment. And so they were just on flat salary. So they, they don't gain or lose anything by referring to different uh, opportunities for you. They just are really looking what's best for you. And I love that. So what's next? You know, that's a good question. So we, my partner and I, we live in Miami beach and we have a beautiful condo that we rent. Some people are like, you know, why do you rent your primary home if, if, and own investment properties? And that was sort of by design. We just felt, you know, for our primary, we want to have something at a much higher price point. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to sit in the sidelines until you know, that moment came, I wanted to invest and start building wealth leading up to that, right? And so I think for us, the next step may either be, we may want to do another year here because we just love Miami Beach and 
the condo that we live in and do another investment property in the meantime. And then in 2022, buy a home here in Miami. And, uh, and yeah, listen, I think for us, you know, for, for gay parents, it's very expensive to have children. And so that was a big motivator for us, you know, for investing in real estate. You know, we knew that, you know, surrogacy runs for about $150,000 per child, right? Wow. And it's a big number. And we knew, you know, we knew we had to build things now and put them in place so that we could be able to family plan two to three years down the road. So that was kind of the motivation behind it as well is, you know, what can we do now? Um, You know, we have our our, our, our W-2 income, we have our our careers, but what can we do with our assets so that, you know, two to three years from now, when we're ready to have children, you know, we can, we can start that process. That was a big motivator for us. Beautiful. Yeah. I I was going to ask what your why is and that's it, right? You know, if if you don't have a clear why, then it's just a, it's just a process of buying houses and renting them out, right? You've got to know why you're doing it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, that that for us and, and when the kid comes, it's not just, you know, the investment that we have to make to get there. I'm very jealous of my straight friends. I don't have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always tell them when they're complaining, you know, they're stressed out about their kids. I'm like, well, you know, at least you didn't have to go through that whole process. Yeah, you um, might be stressed that uh, your partner is is pregnant, but you didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's a whole different, and it's emotionally very intense too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, another part of it was, you know, when the kid comes, I want to have the freedom to be able to pick him up or her from school at 2.30 and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be able to kind of take a step back from the traditional nine to five and have a little bit more freedom. So I do see real estate as sort of a path to that, to be able to be more of a full-time parent and have my business be secondary. Awesome. So do you plan on sticking with Florida? Or are you going to diversify further? So I love Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for me, my properties, I get emotionally attached to them. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's like they're people, you know, I have my, my old lady in Chicago, and I have my baby in Florida. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think Florida would be, you know, something I want to explore. I have experience doing short-term rentals. I started doing Airbnb in 2011. So I've been doing it for about 10 years. And I switch more like to the property management side of it. So I help other people monetize their, their luxury listings on Airbnb and VRBO. But I want to be able to do that for myself. So I'm thinking that's kind of an area that I'm interested in. It's figuring out where I could buy a more, more of a luxury property, a single family home, uh, maybe in St. Petersburg or Panama, Panama Beach or mm-hmm. some of these areas that have a lot of regional traction year round for travelers. Yeah, I love that. I know that some of our teams provide those rarely, but they they do come across them. And when you go with luxury, you have a bit less competition because generally the institutional investors aren't looking at those. Sure, sure, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so as a final tip, what would you say? I mean, you've obviously made some really good decisions. So, what kind of tips would you give to new investors? Well, you know, I would say stay educated. You know, I think it's important to tune in and consume as much of the information that's coming from the network because the information is there, right? But it's up to you to register for those webinars, sign up to receive uh, performance and listings, schedule meetings with your investment advisor to ask questions and, and not be afraid of asking dumb questions because, you know, that's the only way you're going to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think that for me was number one is just educate yourself, like carve out an hour, two hours, three hours a week to do this. 
because the people who say they're too busy to learn how to invest or how to find a property, you know, I worry about that because if you're too busy to invest time in something that's going to ultimately afford you your financial freedom and your independence, then you are basically a slave to whoever you're working for or doing. You know, you really have to carve out time to do the things that are going to help you retire early or achieve your dreams, right? So I think having that discipline, even if it's an hour a week, you know, it doesn't take a lot, but educate yourself and leverage the resources to do that. And at the same time, I think not be so afraid to pull the trigger. I think that first investment property is always so scary because so much of your savings are going out the door and there's so many potential unknowns, you know, but once you do that, you take that first step, you make that first investment and you, you get that first rent check and you get, you see that first proof of income. You're like, wow, I have a, a, an emerging business. This is something I can scale. And so that's become very inspiring, but you have to take that first step. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing that I've been enjoying is looking at my, my loan pay down. Like, okay. Something I had done before because I didn't hold the loans long enough usually, but now I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all this equity we've created just from mm-hmm. paying down that loan, not even including the appreciation and everything else. All right. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you here. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of people in their acquisition process. Thank you. I appreciate that, Kathy. And have a good day. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. We would so appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a review. You'd be surprised at how much that helps our rankings. And we really, really appreciate it. And I read them all. You can do that on iTunes or whatever podcast player you use. So thank you so much in advance. And in return, I want to make sure you have access to lots of free education and information that goes beyond The Real Wealth Show. You can get that at realwealthshow.com, where we go much more in depth on these topics. Just click on the Learn tab and learn all about the ins and outs of financing, of asset protection, tax benefits, and so much more. You can do that at realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.